What is happening, fantasy baseball people? Thank you so much for choosing to start your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Arico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. So that's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there. You get links to my shows, different threads, other thoughts that are posted throughout the day. And you also get links to my articles, like the one that went live yesterday. A little bit of advice for you guys heading into this fantasy week and also some notes to wrap up last week. We are going to look back today, of course, as we usually do, on some bigger performances, uh, predominantly from Sunday. We might touch on Saturday a little bit. We're going to go back and look at some of the higher-performing guys from yesterday. Corbin Burns, for me, is at the top of that list. He went seven strong, striking out 11 Only gave up two base hits and walked one on the road against a very tough St. Louis team. Really been fantastic to see Corbin really settle in because first start in particular, he really wasn't looking great. Well, now his ERA is sitting at, um, what are we talking about here for the ERA? I think we're under two. Uh, I just had a bit of a freeze there. Excuse me, guys. It's at 195. His ERA is at 195 for the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk away with a second consecutive uh, National League Cy Young Award. I know there's a lot of competition out there, and we've seen Sandy Alcantara, who we'll talk about in a second, also really pick it up out there. A couple of the guys we thought early on were going to dominate in that award have not really kept it up so much. And I'm talking about Carlos Rodon and Pablo Lopez. They have not really been uh, to that same standard that we saw them be for those first couple of weeks. Uh, Lopez has had a couple of shaky starts back-to-back. Rodon overall has just kind of, he's kind of leveled out a little bit. So I'm thinking that the lead candidates for Cy Young at this moment would be Corbin Burns and Sandy Alcantara. Why don't we go back and talk about Sandy Alcantara a little bit? He went on Saturday and he threw eight innings, striking out 14, giving up just one earned run and four hits. He also did hit a batter. He's, his last pitch of the game was a 100 mile an hour strikeout. He, he, he's able to maintain and go deep in games like this. I mean, if you look at his last three starts, well, really his last four starts, we got. Eight innings, nine innings, eight innings, and then seven innings. He he goes deep into games. Uh, going back to the, his first start of the year was 83 pitches. After that, we were looking at at least 94 pitches in every start from Sandy Alcantara. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but what a great spot they are in. Uh, the Mariners are the Mariners. The Marlins are going forward with their starting pitching between Alcantara, Lopez. I know Lopez has kind of leveled off a little bit, but he's still, I consider him to be a fantastic play going forward. Uh, you look at Trevor Rogers, and hopefully Trevor Rogers will get back to more of the guy we saw last year. Between those guys, and then you got the guys coming up. Uh, Edward Cabrera got the call up today. I think he's going to be starting on Tuesday. You got him, and you got Max Meyer. It's a good time to be a Marlins fan. It's a, If you're a bandwagon fan and you're looking for a new team to cheer for, they are a decent choice because they are going to be probably very good in the next couple of years. They had a couple more pieces to that lineup. I think we're looking. I think we're looking pretty solid. Uh, Alcantara dominant. He's been dominant, very very dominant recently. But if you take out that one start where he gave up five earned runs, uh, that's the only really blemish, only real blemish on his record to this point. Every other game, we're looking at two and runs or less. So Sandy Alcantara, really fantastic stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going back on Saturday here. I'll bounce back and forth a little bit Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Nolan Gorman on Saturday went four for four, two singles, a double, a home run, drove in four and scored himself three times. He, for me, is a solid, solid play going forward. I know some people have been a little bit cautious 
But for me, batting in that lineup, he was batting second these last couple of days. Uh, I, I don't really see there being any worry about him going forward. Assuming he's able to stay in that kind of range, batting at the top of the lineup, I'm not really going to be worried about him there. There's just too many good guys around him. He will succeed. He in and of himself is great, but when you put all the pieces that you have around him there, uh, there's not much to be worried about with how hot Goldschmidt has been. You got uh, Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond doing well. Yes, Tyler O'Neill has not been performing, and he's not even active right now. But there's there's a ton of talent there around him that really protects him in that order. So even if it's a day where he's not doing particularly well, he maybe just has a walk or reaches on an error or whatever, there's a good chance he's still going to score that day. So I don't anticipate a lot of zeros going forward for him. And I know we saw it. Um, I know we saw it today. He put up a zero. It does happen the odd time, but I don't anticipate seeing it too much going forward from him. I think he's a really great prospect, and I think that he's someone who should be rostered in most leagues to this point. Uh, excluding today's over three, he was batted 360, scored seven times, knocked in five runs, walked three times, all good stuff. I'm liking everything I'm seeing there. I think Nolan Gorman is someone who should be rostered in pretty much every league, maybe not the shallowest of leagues, uh, but the roster percentage has shot up. He's up to 63% rostered there. So go ahead and add him if you still can. He's still available in some leagues, but it will keep going up. The roster percentage will keep going up. Let's take another look at a guy from Saturday here. And a pitcher I want to talk about very briefly, Keegan Thompson. To this point in the season, he has been fantastic. I was not expecting it, but I don't think anybody was really expecting it. But he's been very serviceable. He went five innings against the White Sox, picking up the win, giving up five hits, one earned run. He walked one batter and struck out four. Only 77 pitches. And as he gets more stretched out throughout the year, I think we're going to see a lot more success out of him it's hard to really have success as a starting pitcher when you're only throwing, you know, typically three or four innings. But if they get him stretched out more, no problem with seeing him hold a pretty standard league value. I don't know how long that will continue for because I wasn't really expecting this to begin with from him. But he's 5-0 and with a 1.58 ERA. Yeah, he's not playing for a great team. He's not. They're not going to win a ton of games. But I don't think that stops him from having some value here. There have been some pitchers on bad teams this year who have still had value. And I think he can be one of those guys. I don't think he's going to be a great option. And I think he's closer to a streamer. But he keeps putting up these kind of performances, works up his pitch count. His previous season high before yesterday or before Saturday was uh, 65, and he worked his way up to 77. So we work our way up to maybe 90 or 85 the next time out. We get fully stretched out as a starter, and I, I like him a lot more than uh, – then I, I like him now, but he'll, he'll keep getting more and more uh, rosterable the higher the pitches go up. So keep an eye on him there his next time out. Hopefully we'll see him, uh, hopefully we'll see him touch 90. I don't know that we'll ha- necessarily see it, but I think it's a possibility. Let's jump back to today. Uh, Tyler Anderson, uh, take a, I'll take a little victory lap here. I recommended picking him up last weekend. <clears throat> over the course of this week, he gave you two victories over 14 innings, giving up 10 hits. Striking out 14 guys, walking one batter. He was a fantastic play. Uh, We were not quite as lucky with Alex Cobb, who was the second guy that I recommended in that article. He had a bit of a rough go of it in his first start. And then today, he was pretty good. So a a little bit more of a mixed bag. He went six innings in both of them. Yesterday against the Reds, just two earned runs. Uh, The previous timeout, he gave up six. So overall, I I mean, he did strike out 15 batters for you this week. But overall, uh, not the greatest play there. 
Third guy that I talked about was Jordan Montgomery. He went six innings against Baltimore, struck out five. He would have been worthy of the win. He gave up two runs over his uh, six innings. Unfortunately, it did not play out that way. Uh, it, he took a no decision. And then he, he was pushed back in the rotation, so he's not getting the start here. Uh, I didn't get the start on Sunday, but he will start tomorrow. So uh, still a good ad, Jordan Montgomery. He wasn't didn't get the two starts out of him, but I think he's still a really solid ad. Those were the two-start pitchers that I recommended last week. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll get into some of the two-start pitchers that I am recommending this week. And, of course, it always comes with the caveat that managers don't give a shit about fantasy. They'll do whatever they want with their rotation. They don't care if it's messing up your two-start week. They'll push a guy back. They'll use a bullpen day, whatever. And sometimes that really factors in. Sometimes it's weather. Sometimes it's whatever other stuff, injuries, suspensions, but a lot of it comes down to the fact that managers don't don't really care about fantasy teams. Maybe some of them do. Maybe there's the odd manager out there. I wonder if they really had a proper poll of how many major league players and managers and executives play fantasy. I wonder what it would be. And maybe if you looked at like sports in general. And maybe we'll talk about Jock Peterson for a second, actually, now that we've veered down this road. I want to know what you guys think about the whole Jock Peterson-Tommy Pham thing. I think it's kind of funny that Tommy Pham would get all upset about his money being effed with being taken away from him uh, as he put it and then go out and get himself suspended and cost himself $110,000 in salary so I personally think it's kind of funny that he was all worried about his money and then ended up costing himself money Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of money on that fantasy football league for those of you who aren't familiar maybe I'll give a little bit of background here Uh, Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson I don't even remember what day it was now was it Friday or was it Saturday Went up to him in the outfield pregame and smacked Jock Peterson in the face over uh, a perceived slight against his former Padres teammates slash fantasy football-related malfeasance of some kind with the injured reserve. I'm not really even sure, honestly, even though I've read over the story and tried to familiarize myself with it. I really don't know why Tommy Pham did what he did. It, It appeared to be more of a personal thing. I mean, it's hard to believe that this is over fantasy football and over injured reserve slots. I mean, if we're playing, we're talking about, let's move back to baseball here. We're talking about fantasy baseball, and there's a guy who's out versus, and this comes down more so the way I see it is like IL versus IL plus. If you guys play in an IL plus league, I don't currently play in any of those kind of leagues. Uh, I did it for fantasy basketball, and if the guy is out or if a guy is day-to-day, or suspended or what have you, you can put him on the IL+. plus. It's not just straight up for injuries. From what I understand, Jock Peterson took a player. Uh, I think Jeff Wilson, a running back for the, uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. He was out or something, and he put him on this uh, injured list, injured reserve, disabled list, whatever the hell they call it. And this really pissed off Tommy Pham because it was breaking the rules or whatever. And I don't know. Like If you've agreed to rules with your league mates when you set up the league, then you can do what is possible within the constraints your commissioner has set. It's not like Jock Peterson. I mean, maybe Jock was the commissioner. I don't really know. It's not like Jock Peterson was cheating here. He was doing something that the app or website allowed him to do. You can't cheat. I mean, maybe if you're a computer programmer or something, you can reprogram these things to give yourself unlimited ads or whatever. I don't really know. I don't think that Jock did anything wrong by putting an out player on the injured list, injured reserve. It's a part of the game. It's a part of stuff that happens. I did it all the time in, in the NBA this season. If you have a guy who's day-to-day, you stick him on the IL plus and you add another player for that time. I don't understand it. I don't understand why this is a huge deal in the offseason. 
But I think they're talking about an incident that happened a while back, which is another confusing factor. Why is this? Why does this matter now? Makes you think there's more to the story. It almost resembles an episode at the office, mixed with maybe some curb your enthusiasm in there. So I, I honestly don't know if this is a publicity shtick. If this is, I don't think it is because he got suspended. I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm really curious to know what you guys think because. It was pretty bizarre. I mean, I'm 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 on Team Jock at the moment because I, there's no reason I see to be on Team uh, Tommy Fam here. And I thought it was really funny how Jock went out with his phone in front of the cameras and the reporters and just said, "This is what happened," and showed them the receipts. He really pissed off Tommy Fam talking about a uh, what was it? Uh, oh, it was a, it was a GIF or a GIF or however you say it of a bunch of guys lifting weights over their heads. And I think there was a Diamondback or a Dodgers player, a Padres player, and uh, another player, or not even a player, but they just had the logo above the, the head of these people. And the, and the Padres person, the person with the Padre logo above their head, had the barbell crash on their head, uh, implying that the Padres suck. And they, the, the Padres don't suck, but I think this goes back to when they did suck a little bit more. I don't know what, what Tommy fans getting all upset about. It's a little bit of trash talk, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think it's a big deal, personally. I think it's pretty funny. And I just kind of like the intersection of uh, fantasy football and fantasy baseball there. Shout out J.P. Sticko, who hosts our Fantasy NFL Today show. Maybe we'll get him on and talk about this at some point. Maybe we'll do some kind of collaboration. Maybe I'll go on and talk w- with him about it. I don't think, maybe it doesn't warrant that. But uh, I'd like to see what he thinks. I'd like to know what you guys think. Uh, Not that this is like, I think it's been overblown a little bit, but I am curious as to maybe there's other lines of thinking on what happened here. If anybody has any kind of little tidbits of information that would help us understand, I think that would be great. Maybe more stuff will come out about it. Maybe he slept with his wife. Maybe, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe if he slept with his wife, you'd see a bit more of a severe uh, reaction than a slap in the face. I'm not even sure if Tommy Pham is married, to be honest with you. It just seemed like the perceived slight was more than just fantasy football-related injuredless stuff. But I think we spent enough time on that. Let's move on a little bit. Uh, I'm really curious to know what you guys think, though. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what the thought process is for you guys there. Going to talk a little bit about Jorge Soler, and then we're going to talk about Jose Barrios, and there's a reason why. So Jorge Soler uh, today hit two home runs, drove in three, and it's, it's pretty much who he is, right? He's a streaky, powerful hitter. 2019, when he played a full season, he had 48 home runs. We've never seen him reach those peaks since. Uh, the batting average since then has gone progressively down. Last year, he batted pretty. He did pretty well with Atlanta. He was batting 269, but over the course of the whole season, averaged out he batted 223. He is a guy who is going to bat somewhere in that low 200 batting average range and give you a good amount of home runs. And I think that that's very replaceable production. You pick up a hot guy like a Jock Peterson or a Brandon Drury a couple weeks ago, a Josh Naylor, a Rowdy Telez, you can find home runs. You know, it's finding uh, more consistent and more, I should say, um, overall contributors that is the challenge. So a guy like Solaire with his player makeup, I think he's fine to roster. I think he's a totally fine player. But if you can sell on him, then I I would do that. And we are going to shout out uh, one of our followers here, Eric Yoder. I think I'm pronouncing it right, Yoder. Uh, My apologies if I am butchering that. I am known to butcher names. He is a fan. He's a Twitter follower. He's a pod listener. Shout out, Eric, if you're listening. Uh, 
He is a St. Louis fan, I believe. He's from St. Louis. I wanted to talk about him a little bit because he asked me a few days ago about a trade, and it was he was going to be giving up Jorge Soler. He was going to be getting back Jose Barrios. Now, I said I have no problem doing that. Uh, I think it's a good trade. Soler is a good ball player. He's a very powerful hitter. We saw it in the playoffs last year. He can be a very valuable power hitter. I don't see him. I don't think there's any chance that he ends the season being a better player than Jose Barrios. Now, Jose Barrios got lit up yesterday. He had a brutal outing against the Angels. He let in six earned runs over two and a third, striking out one. And this is the kind of up and down that we've seen from Barrios to this point. Now, I am standing by uh, the suggestion of this trade because, one, it's one game, right? It's one day. It's a bad game for Brios. It's a good day for Soler. It looks horrible right now. Obviously, if you're looking at that trade as of a today standpoint, you're feeling you're feeling pretty shitty about it because Soler hit two home runs. It's a Sunday, and Eric, from my conversations with him on Twitter, I think he lost his home run category because he made the trade uh, midweek. Now, one thing that Eric pointed out, he wanted to uh, he wanted to have this mentioned, and I think it's worth mentioning anyway. If you're making a trade with someone. It's pretty good if you're facing them that week to wait until the following week. It's just better for your conscience. I think personally, you trade a guy to another team during the week and he beats you that week. You don't want to be dealing with that. It's it's hard enough to sleep at night sometimes without having those kind of decisions weighing on the conscience. That kind of thing obviously is unfortunate. It's not going to happen a lot, but when it does happen, it stings. Jose Barrios, for me... I think that he's going to end the season totally fine. He does this a lot. And we had Nick Pollock on. We had Nick, who is, in this industry, the pitching expert. He is the pitching godfather for me. He is totally cool with keeping Barrios. He is trying to acquire Jose Barrios. I listen when somebody like Nick says something like that. And if you even just don't even listen to Nick, if you just look at the numbers, Barrios does this. He does this consistently. Uh, he'll have bad starts and good starts, and he'll level off to a guy who is about a 4 ERA, maybe a little bit lower kind of guy. 3-5, uh, 3-7-5 three, five, three, five ERA, that's who he is. Is he one of the elite arms in baseball? No. Is he one of the better top three starters in a rotation in baseball? Yes. Uh, he is on a very good team. Yes, they have not been great to this point, the Blue Jays, although they did just sweep four against the Angels in Anaheim. So that is definitely promising for, for Toronto fans. The Brio start is not promising, but I'm not worried. Uh, I mean, part of it comes down to Nick and Nick's opinion, because I, I trust him implicitly. But at the same time, you look at the track record, and I'm going to buy the track record over a bad six, eight weeks of the season when he didn't have spring training. I know people are going to say, well, you, it, it, it's enough already with that argument with the spring training, but it still has an impact. It just pushes you back in your routines a few weeks where if you would have struggled maybe for the first, maybe you would have struggled all of spring training in the first week of the regular season. Now all of that struggle takes place during regular season, during real fantasy times, when there's real weeks on the line and real money on the line. So I understand that it's frustrating. But at the same time, we have to give him a break on it. I'm totally fine with Jose Barrios going forward. I would much prefer to have him rest the season than Jorge Soler. Eric, if you're listening... I would not be worried about this trade. I'd be all right with it. Honestly, if you said at the beginning of the season you could trade Jorge Soler for, Ho for uh, Jose Barrios, 
I think you would have laughed and said, absolutely, I'm going to do that. And for me, not much has changed to this point in terms of Solaire's outlook. Yes, we're not seeing the same Jose Barrios that we'd like to see, but you're trading a guy who's rostered in 67% of leagues for a guy who's rostered in 94% of leagues. Now, that's not the, that's not the deciding factor here at all. But you're getting a player who is a consensus must-roster across all of fantasy. Jorge Soler, you got a guy who's rostered in two-thirds of leagues. He's a good power guy. Overall, in the other categories, he's going to kind of hurt you. He's going to hurt you in the batting average. He's not going to steal bases. Not playing for a great team, so there'll be limited runs and RBI potential. Eric, buddy, I'm totally cool with that trade. I would not be worried. Yes, it sucks. Uh, you lost home runs because of it. Uh, it happens. And I would, I would move on and not worry too much going forward from here. Going to spend the rest of the show here looking at my article that came out yesterday. I hope you guys have read it. It's on sportsethos.com. And it's also in my Twitter feed. If you guys go, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, then you would have seen it most likely yesterday. But if not, you can go ahead and find it there. You can also search my name in Sports Ethos, and I'm sure it will come up in the search results here. Just wanted to talk about a couple of guys who I think are under-rostered here uh, and I think that you should add them for this week and beyond. So Brandon Nimmo is the first one who I'm looking to add. He did have some kind of injury worry and was held out of the lineup. I don't think it's considered to be serious, though. They said it's going to be a day-to-day thing. So it doesn't really impact. uh, I mean, it kind of sucks to write about a guy on a day where he's leaving with an injury or missing a game because of an injury. It's a wrist problem. He's had an MRI, which is clear. Uh, it's going to be considered day-to-day. So it doesn't really impact what I'm saying, although obviously it's hard to add a guy who is day-to-day. I understand that. He's looked really good to this point. He's leading off of the Mets. They average almost five runs and nine hits per game. Uh, those are both third in the uh, Major League Baseball to this point. They're also bad in 261 as a team, which does lead the majors. And I know that that's kind of like, what what the hell, 261 leads the majors. We're in a season of downed offense. So... It's going to happen. Uh, Actually, it's gone up to 263. They're batting 263 as a team. And he's batting in front of a lot of guys who can drive him in, uh, primarily Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso and Starling Marte as well. But, I mean, and really specifically we're talking about Pete Alonso there with his power and RBI numbers. He's going to drive Nimmo in quite a bit, especially with his walk rate of 12.4%. It's below his career number of 14.6, which is ridiculously high. Even 12.4 is very high to walk that often. Really good stuff. He's dropped his strikeout percentage to 15.6. Almost 8% better than what he's done for his career. As someone who's 58% rostered on Yahoo, I think that he's someone who you guys should go and add if you're looking for a little bit of a boost in the batting average department and also in the runs department. I think he's a really strong play. He'll also steal you a couple of bases throughout the season. Let's move on to Ryan Helsley. He has been very fun to watch this season. I really have enjoyed watching Helsley, and I have enjoyed rostering him uh, in the in the season in the in the seasons in the leagues where I do have him. I've really enjoyed uh, watching him pitch. He is a fireballer. Uh, I think it was 102 that he touched earlier this season. It was around 102 anyway. Uh, he has thrown 16 and a third innings. He's racked up two wins and he saved three games. Now he's striking out 50% of his batters. That's not going to continue, obviously. And he's not locked into the closer role. So you might say, why do I want to add him? Well, I mean, he hasn't given up a earned run. The whip is ridiculously low. And yes, they're not going to stay quite that low forever. But he's going to pitch a couple times throughout the week. He's going to give you really good strikeout numbers. He should be able to lower those ratios for you more times than not. 
and he has a good chance of earning the closer role as the season goes on. So at 56% rostered, it's going to keep rising. It might even be higher by the time you guys hear this. He's someone that I would go and add while he's still available. Jeffrey Springs is another one. Really nice story to this point. I'm, I don't know why I, I bother getting surprised anymore when the Rays do this, but he's fantastic. Uh, they've taken someone who had not had a lot of success, and within a year or two, they have turned him into a guy who is, to this point, been one of the more impressive arms uh, in baseball. And yes, he started off coming out of the pen. Now he is starting games more. Whatever role he's in at this point, he's valuable. He has pitched to a 1.62 ERA, very good strikeout numbers and pretty low walk numbers. I like him quite a bit. He did very well against the Yankees the other day. I've added him in a couple of spots, and I have not been sorry for it so far. His roster percentage is ridiculously criminally low. So 33% on Yahoo at the time of recording this. It might jump a little bit. And 8.6% rostered on ESPN. There is no way that he should not be rostered in at very minimum 50. At very minimum. And even that's a baseline floor number. It should be higher than that. He's someone who I would go and add right away as well. The Rays, we know what the Rays can do with pitching. Look at Drew Rasmussen. Who would have expected Drew Rasmussen to be as good as he has this year? Well, I mean, maybe we should have because it's the Rays. It's the freaking Rays, man. Every year they find these guys who are they are fine. They're not great. I mean, they haven't been great previously. Or they're just nobody rookie guys who you haven't even heard of. They're not highly touted prospects. And they turn them into great players. Jeffrey Springs, they took him around. I think he was on the Rangers before he joined them. He has become one of my favorite players uh, in baseball this season. And I, I know it sounds stupid maybe, but I don't know. There's something I really like about Jeffrey Springs. And maybe it's that roster percentage that I really, really like because he's available everywhere. If you want to grab him, he is there for the taking. So go ahead and take uh, Jeffrey Springs off the waiver wire while you still can. The numbers will go up. Undoubtedly, they will go up. Certainly, that 8.6 on ESPN will go up. So go ahead and hit the add button for him. Let's finish off the show here. We're going to be talking about some pitchers who are projected to start twice this week. And now, of course, I believe I mentioned it earlier in this recording, and I said it last week in the article and on Twitter, and I'll beat you guys to death with it. There is never really a certainty when it comes to two-start pitchers. I think these guys are going twice. They're projected to go twice. They might not go twice. On the other hand, there might be a pitcher you think is only going once based on matchups or whatever. Uh, they have an off day. Or there's tons of different reasons. Injury. Push him back a day. Uh, there's countless reasons why he might, why a guy who's starting once may go twice or a guy who's starting twice may go once. So I just want that caveat to be out there. Before you guys add these guys, Guys, know that there is a chance that stuff happens. Rain delays and what have you. I think that they're all three of them, the guys I'm going to talk about, fantastic ads. But, again, check forecasts. Go ahead and check forecasts for the cities where these teams are going to be playing, and that might help you a little bit uh, in terms of figuring out what games have a chance of being canceled. It's not perfect science. Definitely not a perfect science. And if you look on the CBS uh, list of two-start pitchers, oh, there's a lot of times where their guys go once and they projected them to go twice and you add them because of that and it just it just doesn't work out. Always look at as many different factors as possible when making your decisions here. When making decisions in life in general too, we're getting a little bit deep here, crap. But when you're talking about fantasy baseball, 
in baseball in general, there's so much, so many numbers to go over, so many facts. And even when it comes to is my guy going to start once or twice or what have you, there is data. <laughs> so go ahead and find as much data as you can and make the most informed decision possible. With all that junk out of the way, let's talk about the three guys who I have added in a lot of leagues for this week. Aaron Ashby is the first one who I've added. And he's going to have a starting role with the Brewers, I would imagine, until Freddie Peralta comes back. Freddie Peralta, we're not sure when he's coming back. We think he's coming back. There have been a, a couple of people say today maybe he won't come back. Maybe he's just done for the year. I think it's way too early to say that unless these people have inside information. I haven't heard anything that serious yet. We don't really know what the problem is yet. So uh, in, that, in any case, Ashby will have the starting role there for a while. And he should be scooped up regardless of this two-star week, in my opinion. Uh, he's allowing only 29.5% hard hit rate. The expected slugging percentage against him is .318, which is phenomenal. And he's only allowed two home runs in 34 innings. He is a priority for me this week, Aaron Ashby. He's my number one priority add. And I think I'm going to go out and, uh, and I'll put some stuff on Twitter about him as well. He is my priority add. And I think he's going to have fantasy relevance as long as he's in the rotation. Cal Quantrill is the next guy. And you guys are probably thinking, oh, man, Cal Quantrill. You know, the, the actual numbers, the, uh, or I should say the more traditional numbers, are always better with him, it seems, than the advanced numbers. That being said, he gets Baltimore and he gets Kansas this week in the reverse order. Kansas first and then Baltimore second. I'm not sure he's going to be one of the more popular ads uh, this week. He is already 45% rostered on Yahoo. And if I didn't mention it, I'm not sure I mentioned it. Aaron Ashby is only 33% rostered at the time of recording this. So he needs to be added. Like, there is no question about Ashby. Quantrill is someone I could see you making an argument against. But if you look at the 342 ERA, he's pretty solid there. It's not great. And I, get, I know there are more numbers to dig in beyond the ERA. But on the surface there, he's not given up a ton of earned runs. The batting average against is only 227, which I know with the lower batting average this year, it's pretty close to, to league average, which is very sad. But at, at the end of the day, it's still a pretty solid batting average against. He's not great by any means, Cal Quantrill. But in terms of guys projected to start twice this week, he is one of my favorites because of the matchups. Baltimore and Kansas, there's a good chance he's going to get at least one win there. You get double on the counting stats. And yes, doesn't have great strikeout numbers. They're down from last year and even... Last year in his career numbers, they're not great, the strikeout numbers. And I don't think that that's going to be a massive reason why you're going to be adding him for strikeouts. You're going to be adding him for the possibility of a couple of wins, and then you also get help with your ratios. So for me, number two in the priority for pitching this week. You can maybe argue this next guy is number two, but I'm going to go with Quantrill ahead of him slightly. Rich Hill is my third option this week in terms of streamers. And again, Another one that comes down to advantageous matchups. So he'll get Baltimore, and then he'll get Oakland. Very good matchups. Very good, very weak opponents, I should say. Really good for us. Now, 42 years old for Rich Hill. Uh, we're heading into last dance territory here. We're probably talking his last season. God bless him if he can squeeze one more, but I don't think we're going to get there. Doesn't really matter because at this point to the season, he's actually been more valuable than his roster percentage would suggest. He's in the 70th percentile or better in terms of hard hit rate, average exit velocity, and his walks. It's good. It's hard to believe, but it's good. At age 42, you mix that, and I know he had a rough outing against uh, the Mariners last time out, but if you look at the opponents with Baltimore and Oakland, 
I'm really not too worried about using an ad on him here. If you are in a fab league, you won't have to use really much on him at all. Uh, and I know that doesn't help you guys too much because he's pitching today if you haven't already added him. That's why you follow on Twitter. That's why you get the article when it comes out and you get to add right away if you guys are in weekly changes leagues or daily changes leagues. The stuff applies to both of them there. Of course, it applies to points leagues, category leagues, Yahoo, ESPN. Of course, I do like you guys to specify your format when you are asking questions because it does help to give me a more informed answer. But my content does generally apply to all fantasy. It's not all redraft fantasy anyway. We don't really discuss dynasty stuff, although there are one or two dynasty experts I'm looking into getting on the show. Just, just you know, we a nice breadth of knowledge here in terms of everything fantasy if you guys are maybe thinking about getting into dynasty next year. I'm not a big dynasty player. I'm in one. But I'm thinking about getting into more leagues starting next year. So maybe uh, we'll do some dynasty stuff going forward. Not a lot of it, but maybe we'll touch on it a little bit here and there in terms of some minor league guys who are looking like, and, and we'll do it in a redraft context in terms of minor league guys who are looking very good for dynasty, but also will have value this season perhaps. So that will be something that we maybe tweak a little bit. We're also tweaking the show here. Uh, I didn't mention it on Friday, but Friday was episode 50. We hit 50 episodes of the show and it's actually technically 53 because of our first couple demos, but this is episode 51 in terms of our official episodes. Really, really proud of what we've done here so far. Really proud of the following we've been able to build up, and that's because of you guys. Thank you so much, all of you who have followed the show on Twitter, followed the podcast on the podcast app, uh, have reshared my stuff, have liked, have asked questions. All you guys, you guys are the reason why I do this, so thank you so much for making it worthwhile for me. If I had done this, and no one was watching it, and no one was following, and no one was answering, I don't know that I would have been able to continue with it because that's, that's pretty hard to, to do something like that when there's no one watching, no one reading. Uh, it, it really, really means a lot. When I see the impressions on the tweets, when I see the downloads on the shows, we had our biggest week ever last week. And I know we're only talking about 10 weeks, but it was the biggest week we've had so far. So really proud of that, and that's thanks to you guys. So once again, I hope you're following on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You never miss any of my shows, any threads, any other data or information that I put out on Twitter. And I hope you're also leaving a five-star review on the pod. Even if you don't want to leave a five, maybe a four. Maybe we can get a four out of you. I hope not lower than four. We do have mostly five-star reviews, I think. I haven't checked in a few days. And I'm hoping that when I check again, we'll see an uptick there. I think only six or seven of you guys have rated the show, at least on the U.S. side, because Apple divides their reviews and ratings by country. I have to type in different URLs and stuff to check Canada versus the U.S. versus Great Britain versus wherever. Wherever you are, however it is you consume, I hope you're leaving a five-star. Ideally, five-star. If we can only squeeze a four out of you, we'll take it. Lower than that, maybe just stay away and don't leave a rating. <laughs> Hopefully, we're getting a four or five out of you. Really easy way for you guys to show some support. Help out the show. Help out the channel. Help out Sports Ethos. I know some of you guys have been directed here from the great Dan Bespris. And he is a, a huge part of Sports Ethos. So you help me out, you're indirectly helping out Dan, if you want to think about it that way. Helping out Dan and Aaron Bruski and all the great people here at Sports Ethos. So go ahead, follow, download, subscribe, review, all that great stuff. And we will see you back here again tomorrow. Hope everybody has a great day. Cheers.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.